Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Hey, hon. Hello, darling. Did you did you make the bed this morning? Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> okay, wait. The covers are still off the bed. Well, there's different ways to, quote, make a bed. So the one is the standard way where everybody makes it, you know, really nice, tucks in the edges. Yes, and studies have shown that those people are higher achievers. Yeah, actually studies have shown that that breeds dust mites. And if you leave the things back, all the sheets back, then there's air that circulates. Mm-hmm. and little... Okay, okay, okay. Oh, look, I'm sure we're both right. How about we just, let's just not worry about the bed right now. Okay. Okay. Is that good? All right. I'll just make the bed from here on out. Well, I'll make the bed. I don't want to sleep with dust mites. <laughs> you can't both be right, Okay, lady. okay. Let's talk to I'm our right. listeners out there. Because clearly they all know who wears the pants in the family. <laughs> Where did that you? saying come from? You're wearing from. a skirt right now. You know, I was going to say, those we're not people that make tons of money on podcasting. Or really any <laughs> money on podcasting. But I thought you were this... going to say any money at all. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if this was your job, think about that. What a cool job. You could podcast naked if you wanted to. You yeah. can sit there and you didn't brush your teeth and your hair is all messy. As long as your voice sounds like this, <laughs> people are just going to assume oh, that man. you're looking beautiful and well Okay, let me clarify for everyone that Kenton is wearing his sarong that we got him when we were in Hawaii. Oh. Yes, we are back. Aloha, hello, everyone. I love wearing sarongs. You know, I, I have to admit, I'm a guy that likes wearing skirts. Yeah, you used to wear your kilt all the I time. I wore my kilt, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, you go to Hawaii and there'd be these big, tough, well, the guy we purchased our, our vehicle from. Oh, yeah. He was this big, strong-looking uh, police officer. Yes, he and was. And he came out in his the skirt and his sarong and that was just normal there Mm -hmm. we had a lot of adventures in hawaii but what we didn't have was any good way to record podcasts so we are currently back in the lower 48 states and we have a place that we can make podcasts so hooray here we are again season two yeah begins (laughs) (laughs) oh boy we've missed all of you a lot yeah Hopefully you've missed us too, and you'll be excited to hear our voices again and come along on our various journeys. That's the other beautiful thing about a podcast. On the flip side, you can just turn us off when you're tired of us, and we won't ever even know. (laughs) No one would do that. (laughs) That's so mean. (laughs) You're so funny. I would cry. Oh, you would not. (laughs) Well, today we thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about relationships and what's worked for us in our relationship here. Kenton and I have known each other for a very, very, very long time. Which is what now? We've been together. Uh, Well, let's see here. We've been married for 20... I don't know how many. I can't do the math right now. Well, the the way I count it is we've been together as a thing, as a couple... Yeah, for, almost 30 years. For now. almost 30 years, yeah. correct. We're just we at were, 29 and almost going to hit our 30 year this year. We were teenager sweethearts and really good friends before we got together, which was an important thing, I think, that we really were there for each other. And it has formed the foundation of our relationship for these past nearly 30 years. 
And we hear fairly often from people around us that we have a beautiful relationship, Rebecca and I. But both Rebecca and myself tend to be very modest individuals and, oh, yeah, well, this, this, this. But we felt maybe it was time to share with you, kind of unapologetically, I mean, we do have a really good relationship. It sounds braggy, but (laughs) we do not ever fight. And it's not because we, one of us just gives in to the other one all the time. And both of us are pretty strong-willed individuals. (laughs) We both have our stubborn sides. Oh my goodness. And it would be a perfect setup. In fact, through the youth of our relationship, we had horrible fights. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to bring up is that we are talking about our relationship here, not because it's always been perfect, but because it was a rough ride for a long time. And it's only really in the last five, ten years that we have fine-tuned and polished our relationship so that we are to a point where we can communicate we can even have bad days we can disagree and it doesn't have to be extremely dramatic so we wanted to share with you today that journey and how we've come to where we are because all of us unless you're hermit in the woods which you know some of us go that way and that's Ooh, go hermits in the woods <laughs> we need those people Yeah, but even there, you have a relationship with yourself, probably. But most of us are in relationships with people. This is not just about a married or a partnership relationship, but it really applies to relationships in general in your life, to your friendships, to your children, to your co-workers, grandparents. Relationships are what so much of life is made of. And although we're going to be talking specifically about a romantic love-based relationship, you may find that you can apply a lot of these principles to almost any relationship in your life. Maybe not this first one, but... (laughs) Well, I don't know. I might argue that. Let's tell everybody what that first one is for us. That first one, and this is going to sound a little bit radical, and it's not for everybody, but what worked for us, I think, and it was really important, was that both you and I, in our youth, I think essentially we were looking for true love. (laughs) Thinking of the Princess Bride. Yes, I'm thinking of the Princess Bride too. True love. We were influenced by movies like that that gave us this idea of true love. I remember thinking way back when I was in my formative teenage years that what I really wanted more than anything else was to find that one person that would understand me, that would know me, and that I could share the rest of my life with. And that was my big dream. It wasn't necessarily to be famous or to make a lot of money. And I was blessed enough to meet Kenton when I was young and be friends with him. And that blossomed into this beautiful relationship. And here we are still. And I would say that our relationship is still number one in our life. It was from the start, wasn't it? We mm-hmm. said... Our relationship is going to be the primary focus of our lives. Because we both had that dream of true love, it came very naturally. I don't think we ever said this to each other, but it was the primary focus. And I think we would have been off to a different trajectory if, for instance, uh, my writing, which I really wanted to be a writer, Mm -hmm. if that was the primary focus and you could kind of come into my life or into my world, but writing would be the most important thing. Instead, we opted, again, not for everybody, but we opted 
to make our relationship the number one priority in our lives. Yeah, and that's meant some interesting things. We've had a number of different times in our life where we could have chosen. I'm thinking for you, for example, there have been many television opportunities that you have turned down because it would mean a lot of time away from us or a lifestyle in which we could no longer make that the number one priority. Mm-hmm. And I also want to come back around to the argument that you can make relationships your number one priority. It doesn't necessarily have to be with your spouse, but if you in your life want relationships to be your number one priority and you work towards that, you're going to find a lot of different interesting things changing and transpiring and transforming in your life when you put your relationship with people, animals, trees, plants first. We often can think of a relationship as something you can get in the way of other aspects of our lives. But for me, at least, I have found that the relationships I have around me are either the biggest place that I gain energy mm-hmm. or the, the biggest energy sucks. Yeah. So if I have a negative relationship with a neighbor, it can consume so much of my time and energy and thoughts yes. that I essentially don't have any life energy left for anything else. I mean, we know, probably you know, and all of us know, so many marital relationships or love relationships where there is so much energy that goes into into drama and fighting. And, well, we lived that for a long time. Yes, we did. And all of our energies went into battling each other. But now, on the flip side of that, the amount of energy we get from our mm-hmm. relationship is mind-blowing. It's so nice to wake up in the morning and know that you have this person, this companion with you, who fully has your back, who fully believes in you, who is crushing on you. Who... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, I look at you all the time. That's another I have a benefit of doing a podcast where no one can see you, huh, baby? That was just pretend. <laughs> we have to keep this G-rated. <laughs> G-rated. <laughs> we haven't said any naughty words. You know, like kiss on Disney movies, like hello. We are not going to talk about Disney Tangled here. Okay, That's a completely okay. different podcast. That will probably never happen, so don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> well, let's talk about how we got from pretty dramatic and very energy-consuming to where we are now. What are some of the things that we've learned that really help us, especially on a daily basis? Well, I think that for me, at least, one of the primary tools or awarenesses was in a, was Amit Sood, Dr. Amit Sood in his book. Yeah, it's um, the Mayo Mind... Clinic's Guide to Stress-Free Living. Yes. Is that it? Yes. And he had this concept of open files. This is like an open file on your computer. If you have too many of these open files, even one, it clutters your desktop and it takes up mental emotional energy to deal with that and slows you down yeah sure does (laughs) so in life an open file is any sort of a thing like you not making the bed properly right and that is an open file now years can go by leaving that file open because we opt well not to bring it up because we don't really want to bother somebody with this or we know that it's a touchy issue so Mm -hmm. we don't bring it up and that file accumulates 
or that file rather remains open and then we train ourselves into leaving open files so another file comes open let's say the way that you always um <laughs> oh, uh, oh i know i know okay. put things away before you're done with them <gasps> yes you always put things away I'll you might think we're speaking from real life here <laughs> notice i had trouble finding something so I set down, let's say, a pen or a pencil because I'm working on something, and Rebecca will so kindly just put it away somewhere. And then I'll come back a moment later looking for it because I was right in the middle of writing something, and it will be hidden away in some uh, dark corner. Oh, of no, the that house. is not true. I know where <laughs> everything is. All you have to do is ask. So that one is there and I, I don't really want to talk to you about it because maybe it's just a bad day or I kind of learned not to communicate with you because yeah. I'm a little afraid or of your the reaction. the flip side is that you communicate with your partner and they go ballistic on you because they take it personally right. and they're super sensitive so how do you communicate with someone who's sensitive? Well, we've all been in that situation where you're, oh, you look lovely today, honey. What, is there something on my face? No, no, not at all. I was just noticing your hair. Oh, well, I got it cut last week. Thanks for noticing it today. And there's, <laughs> you can't communicate in a positive way. <laughs> and this is often a symptom of having all these open files. These open files accumulate in our lives, and they add a constant low-level stress to the relationship, and they train us actively into non-communication and then we start to get more reactive and that continues to feed this loop and you can see where eventually that ends in a divorce a separation because we've forgotten how to communicate and by the time maybe somebody gives us some good tools of communication mm -hmm. there are so many of these open <laughs> files that it can seem like years of work ahead of us yeah to even scrape the surface of and the problems. if your priority number one is not your relationship, you might look at all of that work and say, that is not worth it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, think of the work. And there does come a time mm -hmm. in relationships where it's become so much of a burden for everybody that, that it probably is time to step the other way. But often that can be circumvented or changed around by using this concept of open files and realizing that if you leave an open file, it is damaging. Yeah. So what do we do with open files? We learn that concept and we learn to recognize them. So when there's something like you putting things away, I look at that and I say, Kenton, is this an open file for me? Mm. How do you tell if it is? I tell by how it feels inside of me. If it causes me some feelings of tension, that's really what we're looking for, is a mm. feeling of tension. And that means I'm feeling some stress or some oh, frustration yeah. about it, even maybe some anger about it. But all those are tension-based mm. emotions. If I have tension in conjunction with that thought or that experience, I know it's an open file. And then I have to say to myself, all right, Kenton, this is an open file that mm -hmm. Rebecca puts things away. I need to sit down and communicate with her about it because it's recognition and then it's communication. Okay, so let's talk about communication because that is another big thing that I have learned from our relationship is that communication is extremely important. But there are ways to communicate 
that are more conducive to ending up friends and ways that are not so great. <laughs> Communication can definitely go wrong. It is very easy to make communication into a breeding ground mm. for fights, for resentment, for creating more and more open files. So how do we not do that? We use one of the, well, two of the best communication tools they are, and that is validation mm. and listening-based communication. All right, let's talk about those. Well, validation, I think, is something you brought into our lives. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and maybe you're very you good explain. at it. Oh, you're thank very you. good. You at are it. too. Well, validation really is the thought that whatever someone is experiencing is theirs to experience. So if I am experiencing anger about something, that is a very personal thing, and my actions that come from that anger, those can be inappropriate. So if I'm angry and I hit Ken. Oh, oh, you're not supposed to really do it. <laughs> you used your kung fu. Yeah, well, wow. I'm working on the ninja Jedi master Gee. thing. So hurting someone from your anger is not appropriate. But the anger itself, that's just a feeling. And that is allowable. We should be allowed to have our feelings. Actions, that's different. And so if a partner or a friend or someone comes to me and they say, I'm this or that, and they're angry with me, I have to see that as you're allowed to have your anger. We are going to talk about where it comes from, what it means, maybe how we can help. But I see that you're angry. I hear you. And I can maybe I can understand. I can understand how you would be angry. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I agree with you. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be all hunky-dory all of a sudden. It just means you are allowed to feel what you're feeling. And when we tell somebody else that, it can change so much of what comes afterwards in the communication and just think for yourself when you're trying to talk to somebody and you say oh i'm really upset about this and they respond well you shouldn't be upset this that the other if someone tells you well don't feel sad uh, how do we feel but when someone says gosh i understand that must be really tough or i can see you're angry and i probably would be too let's talk you feel seen you feel acknowledged and that's what validation is Unless you're a ninja Jedi Zen master, <laughs> you and I, Rebecca, all of us, we have these egos. And how an argument works is that I'm going to come with my feelings to somebody. And so, Becca, I'm really upset about you putting away the pencil again. Mm. And she, her ego, wants to react. And say, well, yeah, I'm a perfectionist and I don't want anybody to be unhappy because of me. So my natural inclination is I'm going to defend myself. Well, but you did this or that or I didn't know or blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to try to defend myself. That sets things up as opposed to me simply saying, oh, well, I hear that you're upset. And I think if somebody put my stuff away right in the middle of me using it, I would potentially be upset too. So you can think of a typical argument as a, an emotion ball that you're going to throw back and forth. And I'm going to throw my anger ball at Rebecca and she's going to get defensive and throw it back at me. And then I'm going to throw it back at her. And that's how we argue. However, as soon as she validates me, she catches that ball mm. and she holds it gently and sets it back between us. And then we can look at it. It 
can so quickly diffuse frustration and anger and works great with children when we validate it also builds our compassion muscle mm. because it's not going to help to validate if you're just putting this on we need to really feel it so when a child comes and says oh i'm, I'm really scared of this monsters under my bed the typical non-validating thing is look kid there's no monsters under your bed so just go to bed that is not helpful at all for the child <laughs> you're probably going to stay up a lot longer now yeah <laughs> they know there's monsters under their bed and so when we say wow you know what i can understand so in my case i might say i remember the monsters under my bed i was really really scared of them and here's how I, I dealt with them. Mm -hmm. I tried to make friends with them. And I can help you out with doing that. So let's make some little presents, some treats that we can give to the monsters and see if we can make friends. Yeah, and that's one example of where we took a validation and then we turned it into something constructive. I'm going to say a lot of times you don't even have to solve any problem. All we want is to share our feelings and know that we're not bad people for having the feelings we have. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to listening because you can't really validate someone or get into a deep conversation if you're not truly listening. We talk a lot about surrender through all of our work in Rewild University. And I think if someone comes to you in an argumentative way, there's a tremendous power in surrendering and saying, you know what, I'm going mm. to lose this argument mm -hmm. right from the beginning. Now you haven't set yourself up. You don't have to protect your ego. No. It really works. It's hard to do, but you can practice it. And eventually you can see, oh, there's my ego. Mm. And if you say to yourself, I'm just going to go along with this and not try to win an argument. It's amazing what that does. And that enters you into a listening context. When someone comes to us, there's two mental processes that in general can happen. The one and the more common one is that someone's going to come to us. I'm going to come to Rebecca with my anger about the pencil. And as soon as I start talking and she realizes what I'm talking about, her mind, her urge is going to be to go into defensive mode. And that takes up so much mental energy that she's actually not going to mm -hmm. really even hear what I'm saying anymore. What happens mentally is, Rebecca, the pencil, again, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, well, wait a second, but Yeah, and you're thinking, well, well you're coming I have a few with things to talk about. Excuse me about yeah. the bed here. How about that? <laughs> right. So I stop hearing the other person because I'm only listening to my own mental dialogue and preparing my defense in order to try to win the argument, which gets nobody anywhere. We all know that you don't ever convince anybody else by arguing with them. It just digs people deeper and deeper into their own positions. Mm -hmm. So when we stop and we listen, then we can hear what's actually going on with the other person. We can ask questions. And the best way to listen is to let the other person talk and give yourself maybe, I think a four second rule is good. When a person stops talking, count to four. Mm. Look at them. Leave that pause and then start speaking. 
but that pause gives them a chance to go on because sometimes people are going to need to vent some stuff yes. and go on for a while. And our task is to listen with an open mind, an open heart, and to just try to hear their words and understand that it's almost always not something you need to take personally. Well, that's a really important thing because in the end, you want to have a resolution for the open file or the argument, whatever it might be. You want to have a positive resolution. And a positive resolution can't come about if your value is staked to this discussion. If who you are and how good you are and all of that is at all involved with the argument, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. The ego needs to defend itself. So if you step back, you say, I'm not going to win the fight, and you don't take it personally and almost observe as though you are somebody outside of the situation entirely, not attached, then interesting things can begin to happen because let's face it, we have emotional voices in our head. They're going to jump in there and they're going <laughs> to want to say all sorts of things and feel all sorts of things that may or may not be true. And our brain, of course, is in the, what is it, sympathetic? Sympathetic mode when we're doing this. Yeah. yeah. And even though that sympathetic brain says, this is important, woo, woo, emergency, emergency, this must be solved. That is not the brain that's actually going to find a resolution. It's not. And anyone who's been in a creative mode knows that your thinking brain doesn't get the creative jobs done. You have to be in a receptive, receiving, open, listening place in order to move forward. That's great. I mean, recognizing that we're when we're in argument mode, when the tension is there, our mind has gone into the fight or flight, basically, into the mm -hmm. sympathetic. And we know then that higher brain functions are shut down. Yeah. This is not the time to make a decision. No. Even though our little emotion yes. brains are going, no, this is the most important thing. If you don't solve this pencil <laughs> issue right now. Your relationship is going to fall apart and the marriage is over. Yeah. She's going to do this forever. you got to get on this, Kenton. It can seem like that. It really can. And as much as we might laugh about it and use that rather silly example uh -huh. when it's something deeper someone has overspent on the credit card again mm -hmm. the urge that part of our brain that's saying no this has to be solved right now and i am going to argue about it yeah it's it's not going to be solved that that's the way you tried last time and it didn't work and the time before and the time before and the time before and it yeah. didn't work any of those times so it needs to be solved through stopping, using the open file concept, using validation, listening, mm -hmm. really listening. And sometimes we may n notice in ourselves it isn't the time for that. And that might be where in some relationships, Kenton and I have this, though it doesn't happen very often anymore, where one of the other of us will simply say, look, I'm too upset right now to actually be constructive. I cannot go to my place that can be a good listener but we are aware enough that we can communicate and then it's the other person's job to support and say okay then let's get back together in a little while tell me whatever I can do for you and come to me as soon as you feel like you're able to listen to validate to be receptive mm -hmm. yeah because you don't have to figure everything out right in that moment sometimes you just got to get your feelings off your chest 
you got to go for a walk or take some deep breaths and then you start to see clearly again and the voices can fade and you can start to navigate that way forward. I think the last thing that I'd really like to point out here is is that all right? Do you have anything else in creating this last one? Well, I was going to say that we don't have to talk about arguments and communication the whole time because there's definitely other parts of our relationship. <laughs> Besides <laughs> arguing. <laughs> we hardly ever, in fact, we hardly ever even have a time where we're not what we call flying information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's come to the level where it's not just that we don't have fights. But it's that our, our whole life trajectory moves in a coordinated fashion, as you said, that that flying information. And that that yeah. creates what we've always called a, a sense of conspiracy. Yeah. Where I mean, you have it first, I think, with your parents or your best friend when you're little or a sibling where you look at each other and you just know that you're in on the secret. Yeah. As though you have some big special thing planned that's a surprise. And only you and the other person know. And that's the sense that Kenton and I have always had together through our whole life, is that we're in on some big secret that just the two of us happen to know about it. And it's a really warm, wonderful feeling. Yeah. And it's, you know, it can seem exclusionary in the sense of it does have that aspect of setting yourself apart from other people. Ideally, in our spiritual journey, we're doing other things that bring us into a sense of oneness with people. But as far as stabilizing and keeping the relationship in this in this wonderful, warm place, that sense of conspiracy gives such a wonderful sense of security. You know, we know that Rebecca knows and, and I know that if she had been invited to this big presidential luncheon and it was the most biggest thing of her, She's looking at me like, uh, I don't think I'd even <laughs> go to a presidential luncheon. It sounds terrible. <laughs> and it was this huge thing, and it was going to make this big splash in our lives. That if I just looked at her and said, Becca, I just I can't just do this. I want to be with you. Can we go? Mm-hmm. She would just go. And it, there'd be no holding anything over our heads or no resentment about it. We know we're with each other, and that feeling of just being that level of togetherness and connection yeah, is well, so good. That circles back to the being our number one priority is each other. And that's really important to realize that you can have a wonderful relationship. In fact, I'm sure so many of you out there listening have relationships that you're really enjoying. However, the caveat is, and we've experienced this many times, that you have such a wonderful relationship and it's so great and it's going so well that you begin to not cultivate it, almost like weeding a garden mm. or making sure that you're on the same page with someone on a daily basis. And you can begin to brush by each other. Oh, hey, hon, how are you? Hey, fine, I'm good. And you don't look each other in the eyes. You don't stop for a moment just to give each other a hug or to share together something that you're grateful for. And that is where you can begin to f- sort of fall apart or grow apart. Yeah, that drifting, that slow Even though drift. you don't want to. you Maybe you're not actively trying to disengage from your partner. You just aren't paying attention anymore. And I think that's where the making your relationship number one becomes a, a daily practice. That idea of, oh, your relationship's the most important thing. That's just kind of a big, heady concept. And it can be a guiding force. But how does it translate into daily life? And it's exactly what you're saying. It's that stopping to look 
into each other's eyes, give each other a smile. It is doing something just nice for each other. Where you pay attention. You know that your spouse's favorite show is going to be on tonight. So they get home, you've got some popcorn, and they're like, what is going on? Like, hey, it's your favorite show. Let's watch it tonight. That being remembered, that being noticed and thought about, even when you're not there, those little things go a long way. And when you're in a relationship and you really love the other person, it can be fun to sleuth those things out. But the bottom line is just looking at someone, as you mentioned, just looking them in the eyes, just taking a moment to truly listen is amazing. I think of your mom sometimes as the queen of this. Oh, my mom's such a good mom. <laughs> you know, we, she's been such a good example for this practice. Is We'll go to stay at her place and go up to the bedroom, and there's a little board that she has on the wall, kind of a cork board. And every time mm-hmm. that we come, she will have decorated that with something. I mean, last two times ago, there were our, our, our wedding, fest, our our wedding, wedding vows. vows. Yeah. And or picture. a picture of our family. And this yeah. last time, it was a newspaper article about when I, my sister and I were doing belly dance together and teaching and performing. And it's really sweet. She's always done that. You know, you'll notice a pair of earrings someplace. I, when I was younger, I thought, oh, my gosh. And I'd gush over them. And... She'd say, well, aren't you going to get them? And I'd say, no, you know, I I just I can't afford them right now or whatever it might be. No, she Would she just buy them right there? No. Christmas Day, I think I've talked about this before. Yeah. There they would be. You know, she went back. She got them that very day because she pays attention. And that is such an amazing quality that can become, well, it can fade out. Most of us, when we're in the early romantic stages of a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about we're trying to make the other person feel like they are the quote apple of our eye (laughs) they are the shining star there but 30 years later yeah it might be you're just into your routines yes there's that i know you we've had history together it's all pretty normal but it's so easy to shift that around mm-hmm. with those looks, with that smile, with an arm around each other, cooking a meal together. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bringing people roses. Mm-hmm. The more powerful stuff, I think, is often just giving somebody our true attention. Yeah. The, the power of looking, we keep saying this, looking the yeah. other person in the eye and really smiling yeah. and, and shining <laughs> some it. light on each other, that is so powerful. It's so easy in a way but it's so powerful and you might notice in some relationships in your life that that doesn't really happen there's never that stopping in that moment and it's a a litmus test for me Mm. i'll notice if i feel myself drifting away from you it's probably just that i've gotten so mindless oh yeah we've got emails to do and comments to answer and we you know we've got this to do and girls need food and we got homeschooling and there's a your to-do list will never go away, but your opportunities to be together, they're precious. And the funny thing is that your to-do list will get done faster. You'll have mm-hmm. more energy for it if your relationship is fueling you and you're not having to use any energy to work on dramas all the time. It seems like there's a relationship on one side, as we mentioned in the beginning of this, and on the other side is the regular stuff of life. But those things are actually so intertwined. Yeah. And when the relationship is strong, your relationships around you are strong, you're going to have so much more energy and you're going to be so much more productive. 
Well, do I get to say it? Say it, baby. It's been so long. It's time for you to unleash your life. Yeah. And we have some action points, as we like to do. Action point number one. Introduce the open files concept into your relationship. This one is so important because if you can grasp this open files concept and start to see how many open files there are currently in your relationships, as you close those files, you are going to find so much stress shed off of you and so much more energy pour into your life. Well, the beautiful thing about closing of the files isn't necessarily the actual closing of each individual file, although that feels good. It is the process of blossoming into a good communicator who has awareness that something is bothering you and can clearly and kindly communicate it in a loving and understanding way. That's the magic. Yeah, from that one decision to look at your open files is going to blossom everything else we talked about mm -hmm. in this, this whole cast. Okay, action point number two. Well, there are going to be times for almost all of us when things get tense mm -hmm. and there is tension. We're talking about a, an argument that is starting to fire up. Rebecca, I just was using that pencil and it's gone. <laughs> now, if I'm feeling this energy well up, it's now she could validate and we could deal with it right there. But starting to get the wisdom and to see that there's this wonderful tool of setting a communication time. And it can be just 10 minutes from now. Say, all right, Rebecca, at 4.15, mm -hmm. can we sit down and communicate about this? And even giving myself 10 minutes, this might be the argument started in the morning. So we're going to do it when we're back from work. We do it 7 o'clock tonight after dinner and everything, whenever. But we're putting some time in there, at least 10 minutes, and then we know that we're going to consciously sit down and communicate. Right. That allows you to prepare and be open and receptive. And then when you sit down to say to one another, look, we're going to practice validation. We're going to practice listening. Neither one of us is going to try to win the argument because we're here because we love each other and we want to help each other through this so that we can both enjoy and spend our energy on the things that we love sharing. This is a mindfulness trick that you can use for just uh, thoughts. So if I'm starting to dwell on, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about the, the bills at the end of the month? And mm. I start to worry about it to say, all right, Kenton, no worried mind. It wants to dwell on this. Tell and it's going to dwell on it and tell stories for the next four hours. But I'm just going to set a time, five o'clock. I'm going to devote a half hour to this and really think this out and figure out the problem. Same concept, but now we're doing it with two people. We're saying, let's sit down and be conscious about our communication. It can work miracles. Wow. So action point number three is make validation part of your everyday communication style. And just notice what a difference it makes. You don't have to just practice with your partner. It can be with your kids, with your coworkers, anybody, someone at the grocery store who's checking you out as you're going through the line. Again, when we first started adding in validation, thanks to you, and a book that you read, I mm -hmm. believe. Yeah. Do you happen to remember the... Uh, it's The Power of Validation. Remember the author? Oh, I am sorry. I don't. Okay. But The Power of Validation. Check it out. That 
was so transformative, not only in our relationship, but especially in our parenting with our children. Too. Yeah, it's geared more towards children. And I can try to find and put the link to it in our description. Super powerful. I know it feels completely different to me. I feel safe coming to you mm. these days. I used to feel that if I came to you with a frustration or anger or anything else, I was walking into dangerous territory. Now I feel completely safe. I know that I'm going to be understood, wrapped up. You're not going to coddle me and say, let's just leave this. You're going to let me feel. And then if I need to solve the problem, because sometimes, as you mentioned, all I need to do is feel. Yeah. But if I, it's a problem that needs to be solved, I know you're going to be guiding me in that direction. But it's not, it's not going to be forced. And I'm not going to feel like I'm not cared for in that process. Well, we've both learned a lot. And I think... One thing that's important to realize is not just that I will validate you and I'm a safe place, which you are as well, but you've learned how to communicate to me and I to you if we are frustrated. So we also realize that our words have power. Sometimes we sit down and we say, look, I just need to vent. Do you feel in a strong place where you can just hear what I have to say because I'm angry and I need to say it to somebody? That's important. But a lot of times I can look already ahead of time, realize hey, if I say this, this is going to be hurtful to Kenton and it's not truly what I feel. So let's get down to the meat of it and I can come to you or you to me and communicate in a way that isn't divisive, that isn't blaming, that just says, hey, I'm hurt. That's such a good point because if I'm not used to being validated, when I come into a communication that may end up in an argumentative place, I'm already into my defensive mode. Mm. And so I'm setting the tone right there. But if I come in vulnerable, exactly, totally different. I have one more action point to add in here. Yeah. And that would be sharing gratitude. Oh, We yes. were just talking about this last night and about how wonderful it is as a couple. And you can do this with your mom or a coworker, a friend, your sister, your child. Spend some time. It could be actual set aside time could be just before dinner it could just be hey let's talk about something we're grateful for a lot of times we don't even say ahead of time you and i will just look at each other we'll smile naturally what follows is we're so blessed to have each other or look at our wonderful kids isn't it so fun that we're parents together or oh the sunshine is beautiful i'm so glad i have you to share it with and that gratitude creates throughout the day for me a feeling of many, many blessings that mm. I'm sharing with you. And then it just nurtures this, oh, wow, I have this person I can share this with. And that makes me feel so grateful. And this is really powerful to practice when, well, all the time, but also when things don't feel so great, when you're in a place where maybe money is tight or, or things are rough or the world seems scary, to look around and feel that gratitude it retrains your mind into focusing on the negative and trains it into focusing on the positive. It takes you out of sympathetic into parasympathetic and changes the whole game of life. Do you want to know what I'm grateful for? Hmm. I'm grateful I have a bed and that I get to snuggle you in it. Even... And I don't care if it's made or Aww. not made. I am just grateful for that. <laughs> I'm grateful that you put everything... A way you keep things so organized. If I lived alone in this house, 
It, I don't know if you'd be able to walk. Excuse me, you live in this house and you still don't know where things are. <laughs> <laughs> Becca, where's the pencil? Where's my toothbrush? Where's the hairbrush? <laughs> I, I'm a mindfulness instructor. <laughs> Can you tell me where I put my... <laughs> That's not true. You're so and... wonderful. You have so much to give and I'm so grateful that you share it with me. And we are so grateful for all of you out there. Those of you who are supporting us, oh, thank you a million times. We yeah. are so, so happy to be able to share this with you. And thank you to all who are listening. It's really been amazing just to get to talk with some of you that we've seen again now that we're back. We love hearing from you. And we're just so grateful that you're part of our community. So much love to you all. And woo, so fun to be doing these again. <laughs>